Do you think you may have a problem with your alcohol consumption or drug use? Are you thinking about quitting and want to know what all the sober hype is about? Whatever the reason, I'm so grateful you're here with me today. My name is Sarah, and I am the creator and host of Sober Gratitudes. I once was an active alcoholic, and after decades of failed attempts to control my drinking, I finally reached out for help. Letting others help me is why I'm here today, living a life I never thought possible. The suffering of my past was the catalyst I needed to find recovery and be receptive to healing. I created this podcast out of the desire to recover out loud and, with the help of my guests, show you how a better life is possible after addiction. Whether you have been here before or you are a first-time listener, I would be so grateful if you would take a moment to write a review on Apple Podcasts so that it can reach more people who may be struggling. Together, we can help those in need. You can also reach me at SoberGratitudes at gmail.com with any questions or comments. Thank you again for dropping in today, and welcome to Sober Gratitudes. Sober Gratitudes is a podcast dedicated to spreading the hope in recovery from addiction. It is an inclusive show that does not promote or represent any recovery program. When my guests and I discuss what keeps us sober, we are referring to our own unique experiences. Our goal is to encourage and give hope to those who are struggling and need support. Sober Gratitudes podcast is proud to come together and partner with Valor Fitness Clothing in our mutual mission to support and encourage the recovering community. Based in Los Angeles and inspired by real recovery, Valor Fitness lives up to its mission. With one item sold, Valor Fitness donates one item to a homeless shelter or transitional rehab facility. Because Valor Fitness Clothing supports Sober Gratitudes mission, everyone can receive a discount when shopping. Use the code GRATITUDE20 at checkout. Also, every guest on my podcast will be graciously given a gift certificate from Valor. We're stronger together when we come together. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Episode 8 of Sober Gratitudes. My name is Sarah, and I'm so grateful you're here today to listen to a very important interview. My guest today is Gabby. She's from the website recoveringartfully.com. I truly believe that discovering Gabby on social media was no accident. Initially, I was drawn to her recovery clothing and home goods design work. I reached out to her and we discovered that not only are we women in recovery, but we are both mothers with children on the autism spectrum. I knew then that I needed to have her on my podcast. Thank you again for coming to listen, and I hope you are inspired by what you hear. Hi, Gabby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to Sober Gratitudes. Thank you. It's my pleasure to have you on my podcast today. It's been a, a, it seems like three months has gone by since we first talked. Mm-hmm. Was it? I, it? And I've just been looking forward to this day forever. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think the holidays probably made that time feel a lot longer than it actually was. 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so I just wanted to um, start off with just to kind of warm up here, start off with a um, icebreaker question uh, to get to know you a little bit better. Um, and I think this is a good one, but what would you say is your most favorite musical artist or genre of music? Oof, that's a tough one. Um, I really love a lot of different genres of music, but I'd have to say if I had to pick one artist, I really love Frank Sinatra. I never really? get tired of hearing Frank Sinatra. Oh, now how long have you liked him? Honestly, I just kind of got more into like that old classic jazz kind of in the last year or so. Um, but my son really, really loves that old jazz music and classical music. And he's also a big fan of Frank Sinatra. So we kind of just jam out and we got a record player this year and it's been it's been fun. Oh, that's so fun. The record player. That's definitely there's a comeback there with the record player. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, good. Well, um, for the listeners, I just want to let everyone know that I found Gabby on Instagram because I noticed her little circle, the little like identifying um, handle picture, and it was of um, a lotus flower and it said recovering artfully. And I love the lotus flower when it comes to recovery, just the whole story behind that. So it piqued my interest and I opened it up and I don't think I knew at first that you were recovering, uh, recovering alcoholic. I just noticed the Lotus and then I saw all these beautiful pictures of merchandise and it, I noticed all the sayings. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm familiar with these sayings. And, <laughs> and so that's how I got connected with Gabby and she is a graphic artist and a designer in recovery, focusing on spiritual growth and sobriety. And you have an Etsy account. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Um, an Etsy account. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, and so when, how, how long have you been doing um, your creative, do, having this creative outlet? How long has this been going on? Well, the Recovering Artfully thing actually just kind of started unfolding over the last few months. Um, it, I went to school for graphic design, and um, I've always wanted to kind of like have my own business and do my own thing. But I had, it took me a while to kind of figure out what that looked like for me. And um, through just my own recovery and um, the process of healing that I've basically gone through in my sobriety, it kind of unfolded into like this thing where I wanted to use that experience that I went through to inspire other people or just to like basically with, you know, like the different merchandise and the designs that I put on them. It's kind of like for me, I really love to have those just inspirational sayings and reminders around throughout my day and the things that I see um, of what I'm trying to accomplish in my own life and the goals that I have for myself and the type of lifestyle that I want to live now, um, as opposed to how I used to live. And um, it just kind of spiked the idea of like, I can, you know, maybe somebody else going through a similar situation would really love to have these things too. And so that's kind of how the design started to get created. And 
um yeah oh I love it it's everyone who's listening you need to go to the Instagram account recovering artfully it's just um just beautiful work so the first question I I usually ask my listeners is what got you to day one of sobriety okay so what got me to day one of sobriety it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to sum it up as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my story actually began as a teenager, um, more with drugs than alcohol. And um, we, when I was about 14 years old, we moved out to Philadelphia um, from small town, South Dakota. And so it was just a huge life change. And I ended up falling into a group of kids who, um, you know, smoked weed in the woods. And I just, I don't know, something immediately attracted me to that. And so I kind of started hanging out with them and getting involved in drugs. And I realized um, that it was like this magical thing where I suddenly felt free, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. It was like this escape from reality that I'd kind of always been seeking out I feel like for many years even before that and um, anyway as I got older um, it continued to progress and then eventually um, I ended up getting pregnant and at that point in time I realized like I need to get my life together and so uh, the drugs were nixed I decided I was done with that but I was still going to drink because I didn't have a problem with alcohol. It was the drugs, you know, and um, so I continued to drink after um, my son was born and um, my now husband and I would on the weekends still we'd get a sitter and we'd go out. Um, But then it turned into um, more like I would drink at home and it just continued to progress and progress. And um to a point where it was a daily um, thing that I depended on to get through my day. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the thing every day that I looked forward to. And over the years that I was drinking, um, the time that I would start would continue to get earlier and earlier in the day. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at some point, then I was drinking, you know, as early as noon, or and, uh, by dinner time, I'd be passed out. And um, I ended up losing a job, um, a good job that I cared about. And my husband was, our relationship was just completely falling apart. Um, Where we had bills just completely piled that were unpaid. And I felt like I was drowning. And it became a thing where alcohol for me was I was drowning myself in alcohol to avoid all the other things I was drowning in. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just this cycle that continued to a point where um, I basically couldn't imagine what my life would look like without alcohol or with alcohol. I just came to this point where I had absolutely no desire even to keep going on at all. And um, I convinced myself that my kids would be better off without me. Um, My husband would be better off without me. I was just 
causing problems for everybody. And it was all this, just this huge mess of self-pity and misery. And um, Mm -hmm. it was a terrible, terrible, lonely and dark place to be. And in a blackout, um, I actually overdosed on sleeping pills in an attempt to take my life. Mm -hmm. And um, the next morning I woke up and I barely remembered what had happened. Um, I was so out of it that I could barely move. And I just laid there that whole day um, praying to, you know, um, a God that I hadn't talked to in years and begging for him not to let me die. Um, I realized at that point in time, like, that's not what I wanted for myself. Um, I had so many beautiful things in my life that mattered to me and that I was so grateful for. And uh, at first I was scared to tell my husband what I had done and I was so ashamed of myself, but I, the, you know, I think um, fear got the best of me. And I really thought like I was on day two of not being able to get out of bed and I thought I was going to die. Mm. And so I told him and, um, you know, I went to the hospital and, um, kind of moving on from there. Once I started to recover from that whole situation and feel physically up to leaving my house, I found a local recovery support group. It was one that I, um, was kind of familiar with because it wasn't my first time Mm -hmm. going there for help, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I drug myself back there and, Um, there were some familiar faces, fortunately, and I kind of told them like, my life is a mess and I need help. And that was my day one. Um, I, I have actually, uh, I would have had three years in December. Um, and then I kind of went through like this depression, I guess, um, in December of 2018, um, I stopped talking to my support group. I stopped taking care of myself. I stopped doing all of the things that, um, I needed, I need to be doing Mm -hmm. regularly to, to be okay, you know, and, um, it just all built up and, um, I ended up having a slip, Mm -hmm. uh, December 12th of eight, 2018. Mm -hmm. And um, I drank two beers, knowing that I am an alcoholic, and I shouldn't be doing that. But like, it was just so easy at that moment in time to just make that decision impulsively and not think about, you know, what happened the last time I had drank. And um, after those two beers, I felt so ashamed. I felt sick. I was just so mad at myself. Like, why am I doing this? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. And, um, there's, there's a woman who's kind of like my main support gal that I call in those times, you know? And, um, so I called her and I told her everything and, um, and we just kind of took a deep breath and we're like, okay, this is gonna, we're gonna put the kibosh on this right away and get back to, um, you know, trying to figure out what we're going to do, you know, or like figure out um, what I need to do for myself so that that didn't happen again. And so we looked at some of the things that were going on in my life and some of the things that I needed to change. And we set our sights on that. And yeah, so I actually will have, um, or I did have one year 
of sobriety again on uh, December 12th of 2019. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Sobriety impacts our lives in so many different ways. And, um, and it changes our lives in ways that are very positive. Um, where do, where, um, where have you found that it's impacted your life most significantly at this point? I think um, it's really honestly impacted every part of my life significantly. Um, but the, I guess the few that come to mind are, first of all, I feel that, um, you know, I, I learned to care about myself and for me that is so huge because I've always struggled with self-love and self-care and um, to go through this process and realize that um, I am a worthwhile human being for myself to realize that has just been so incredible and finding sort of that self-confidence again or you know maybe I never even had it before this to be honest Mm -hmm. but um just being able to look in the mirror and like be glad to see my reflection has been such like a huge um huge thing for me because I don't feel like I've ever been able to look in the mirror and be like okay with the person that I see you know um And I think a huge part of that has just been really focusing a lot on what I can do every day to be a better human being, um, to like with all of the interactions that I have with other people or, um, the things that I do in my idle time when there's nobody else around, you know, just, um, focusing on what I can do to be of service to other people or to my family or just, really taking that um, selfish focus that I used to have and shifting it to thinking really about a bigger picture of how what I'm doing is helping somebody else. Um, and then I, I don't know if any of that made sense, but oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other area that I feel like has really significantly been impacted is just um, what type of mom I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I can be, present and I I'm just more involved in with what my kids are doing what they're interested in what they're thinking you know and just it's I feel like my relationship with my children has grown so much deeper um than it ever has been before and I'm so grateful for that because just that part of it too has been so incredible for me and for my kids that's wonderful. That's beautiful. The deeper relationship with your children. Um, that that's something I I had a listener um, uh, write to me and ask. Um, I'm curious to know about how relationships have changed for sober people who come on your show. And I thought, okay, that that's a you know phenomenal question because, and you just spoke to that. Is that you're you're now you can be more present and you can have relationships with your children that um, where you're not so focused on yourself. And at least that's what I experienced. Um, And I know that you and I, you know, we touched on um, something that we have in common, which for listeners out there um, may find this helpful. um, And is that both Gabby and I um, have a special need I have two special needs children and Gabby, you have 
a son with special needs, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And that, um, that's something that, you know, I, I wanted to touch on, um, a little bit today in our interview because that's kind of a, a, um, niche of people out there that it's been hard to find. Although I do encounter people, um, in my recovery meetings who have adult children with special needs, um, um, autism in particular, and it's a, it's a very lonely place to be, um, to navigate the world and to know like how to parent your child or children who has autism and, and at the same time trying to get sober. Um, and Gabby, if you can, can you share a little bit about your experience with, you know, your son's diagnosis and, um, your active um, recovery program and getting sober and how, how that has impacted your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think probably one of the most challenging um, things that I have ever experienced in life is navigating parenthood um, with, you know, having a child with autism. And um, I think that's an extreme challenge in itself without adding the addiction element on top of it, you Mm -hmm. know, and so um, kind of where that whole thing started, when we were, we had our suspicions that he might have some kind of a delay when he was really little. Um, He's eight now. Um, At the time that we were kind of talking about this, it was around two years. He was two. So um, we were noticing that he wasn't hitting certain certain milestones. Um, He, we just knew that he was different in some way. Um, But at the time, I was still active in my addiction. I didn't want to believe that there might be something wrong. I, I justified in my mind, um, like the different behaviors from him and why they were okay and why it wasn't really that there was an issue and just stuff like that. But similarly to how I would justify my behavior when I was drinking and it was like kind of almost the two went hand in hand with each other. Um, it was just this disgusting denial situation that I had going on. Um, but anyways, uh, around when he was three, um, it was starting to get to a point where we could no longer deny it. And, um, he was having problems with his daycare. And, um, so, uh, we decided, and at this point in time, I had got, I was pregnant with my, um, my second, who is um, now my four-year-old daughter. But uh, so at the time I wasn't drinking because I was pregnant. And so I think I was a little bit more, um, I was clear-minded enough to at least make that decision that we need to get him evaluated. Mm -hmm. And so we went in and made an appointment, but then there was a a six-month waiting list for him to even get that evaluation. So then we had to So by the time he had gotten the evaluation, um, he was four and I was literally due to have my daughter. I had my daughter a month later from when we got the diagnosis. 
So it was like a kind of a double whammy. Like Mm. we got the autism diagnosis and then immediately had a newborn. Mm. And so it was just this whirlwind of, um, you know, navigating, taking care of a newborn, which in itself is also exhausting, but also that we now have realized that we have a child with autism and what do we do about that? And, uh, and then also too, I mean, I wasn't drinking right at that exact moment in time, but I also wasn't doing anything for myself Mm -hmm. as far as being in actual recovery goes. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I was still behaving in a lot of the same ways that I behaved when I was drinking. I just wasn't drinking. Mm Um, and anyways, so a few months went by, Um, we got our, had gotten our son into speech therapy at that point in time, because we knew that was a service that he needed. But then, um, I had kind of deemed that it was all right now for me to start drinking again, because my daughter was sleeping through the night and, you know, whatever other excuses I told myself. (laughs) And, um, and so I started drinking again. And at first it was like, all right, it was manageable. Um, but, you know, it was only a matter of time before it was just right back to that everyday thing. And, um, and then it was kind of like the whole autism thing just went on the back burner. And, um, so he, my son had started kindergarten and, uh, I was drinking for the first half of the school year. And then that December was kind of when things got bad enough that I finally went and, tried to get help for myself. And, um, you know, I began working a program of recovery at that time. And um, almost parallel to when I began working uh, my program of recovery, he started having less and less problem behaviors at school. Mm. His grades were improving. Um, His teacher and his school weren't calling me as often. And, um, they thought he was going to have to do an extended school year to make sure that, you know, taking him out of that routine wasn't going to be, or, you know, was not going to be in his best interest. But by the end of the school year, they were so amazed at how, how well of a turnaround that he's had that they didn't think that he needed it. And um, he, you know, he hadn't had any incidents in class and it was just like this almost mind blowing thing. And I remember his kindergarten teacher telling me one day after school, like, I don't know, how or what happened but um Isaac has made such incredible progress over this you know the last half of the year and it's just been amazing and um that was what kind of made me realize like wow maybe my drinking really did affect him in ways that I kind of for a long time tried to deny Mm -hmm. So, um, and over the last few years, of course, we've, it's been rocky. Um, I think, you know, having a child with special needs and autism, it's always going to be rocky. There's never going to be, you know, there's never going to be a smooth road there, you know, but um, I just feel like I, I've been able to be so much more involved and present and communicative with um, the special needs team at school. And just, it's, the way that it's been unfolding has just been so incredible. And I, I feel like I would not be able to um, provide, you know, the stuff that Isaac needs um, if I weren't taking care of myself first. It's mm-hmm. kind of like that oxygen mask thing, yeah. you know, like you have to put that oxygen mask on yourself before you can help somebody else. And um, 
that's just been really, really true for me and my experience is what I found. That's right. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's incredible. And again, you know, you're, you're telling a story, um, which is incredible. Um, and, and, and it's difficult and I understand it and I can identify with both the autism diagnosis, the um, active alcoholism and um, trying to get a handle on both those things. But I know for, in, in my experience that I, I share in that experience where things started to get better with my children when I start, I, I put down the bottle and I wasn't so full of self-pity thinking, oh, you know, it's my fault that, you know, that they have autism. I did something wrong. And, and so focused on me, 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 that, you know, that ego, um, you know, focused attitude that was no help to anybody. And once I was able to get in to a program of recovery where I was really working on my own issues, I was able to really open my eyes to what my children needed and not just my children with autism, but my, you know, my oldest son who was neurotypical and my relationships with a lot of other people, you know, so like being present um, is so much easier when we're not obsessing over when we're going to get our next drink. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, the reason why I'm, I'm, thank you for sharing about um, your experience with, you know, having a child with autism, because I think it is something that has not, you know, been really tapped into um, unless it is out there. I'm just not finding it is that, you know, having children with autism nowadays is I think or any time or with any kind of special needs is really, really difficult. And it's really challenging and it's so different. It's hard to explain to people who have just neurotypical children. And, and it's kind of, for, for me, I don't know if you can identify with this Gabby, but I felt with my children, you know, I felt like I was standing on an Island all by myself, you know, not knowing what questions to ask and not knowing what I didn't know and not knowing how to navigate this world while I was also, you know, really, you know, fully engaged in active alcoholism and, and then it, so feeling so isolated from both of those situations and it just made, you know, it was a recipe for complete disaster. And I guess the reason why I wanted to address it in this episode today is to reach out to, to people who might have lives like yours, Gabby, or mine, and who are struggling and to, to express and to really share that raising children with special needs sure do, did get a lot easier for me when I committed to, you know, a recovery program and decided to quit drinking for good one day at a time. And it's, you know, as my kids have gotten older, I tell you, I, I'm constantly telling myself how grateful I am and sharing with my friends and family how grateful I am that I'm sober while I'm dealing with, you know, just the, the, the things that happen when you have, when you have children and when you have special needs children. So, so it's just, it's, it's a, um, 
a reality that is much easier. <laughs> I know I found in my, in my case, I don't know if you can share in that as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the tools that I've, that I've learned about um, in my program of recovery and just learning how to um, take care of myself have really also benefited in like applying those basically to how I can help my son. Right. Right. I, I understand that totally as well. I use that those, um, those tools as well in, in raising my kids and I, I am astounded at how helpful it is, how useful it is. And it's such a great feeling. I'm just so grateful for that. That's great. So do you, um, so talking now, moving on to, you know, kind of the, we've talked a lot about gratitudes already, but Gabby, have you found um, any gratitude in your life since you got sober anything that's been like completely unexpected, like a big surprise to you? Yes, definitely. I think kind of alluding back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier is just like seeing um, my children grow. Just I, when I um, took the steps to get sober, like my intention wasn't anything at the time other than to get sober. Mm -hmm. And so um, to kind of see as I'm going through this process of growth, how um, my children are also growing and um, how, how much, you know, how much progress my son has made and just how much smarter my daughter is getting. It's just um, insane. And it's, it's kind of, you know, I feel like those are like byproducts basically of just me taking care of myself and doing what I need to do. And that was completely unexpected. Um, when I first took those steps to get sober, I, that wasn't even, um, on my radar at all. And so kind of seeing that happen alongside of, um, you know, taking care of myself and doing what I need to do in my program of recovery has just been absolutely wonderful. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. You talked um, also about, you know, just thinking back to when you talked about towards the end of your drinking career about how you lost a job and how your relationship was being, was affected with um, your, your partner, your, your husband. Um, Tell me about like um, that relationship. Like, you know, I don't, if you don't want to get into the, the, you know, the personal aspect of it, but tell me more about, you know, relationships with, you know, people around you, you know, friendships, family members, things of that nature. Um, Have you noticed a great change? Yes, definitely. As, especially with um, my husband in the beginning, um, when I first got sober, it was, we, we had just grown so distant from each other. We weren't really communicating anymore like we used to. And um, I think, we both just had, you know, quite a lot of resentment toward each other just for the chaos that we'd been through over the years leading up to it. And um, I remember talking to my sponsor in the beginning and just saying, like, I'm miserable in this relationship and, you know, kind of like, honestly, thinking about leaving him at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, 
So she, her advice for me was to start making a list every day of um, things that I was grateful for about him or, you know, like reason, the reasons that I fell in love with him in the first place or just qualities I'm grateful for. And so every day I started listing off, you know, the things that I was really grateful for about him, like how good he is with the kids, um, how devoted he is to working hard and making sure that we're taken care of and just things like that, you know, and I just kind of went through this process every day of listing three to five things. Um, And over time, it was almost kind of like it made me um, fall in love with him all over again, (laughs) you know, but it was, I think, just kind of this mind shift from being so concerned with myself and what I'm getting out of the relationship or um, how people should be treating me or, you know, whatever I thought I deserved at the time, shifting my focus from that to, um, you know, why am I grateful to have this person in my life, you know, and um, also like, you know, keeping those things in mind too. Also, it did make me grateful to have them more grateful to have them, you know, in my life, but it also made me more realize more too, like, um, that I wanted to be better to them. Mm-hmm. And um, I think just that realization of like relationships aren't just all about me, <laughs> you know, and realizing like that it's a two way street and that um, I, you know, I want to be more considerate about what I can, what I can be to them. Right. That's beautiful. That's why I love talking about recovery because here you just, shared with me about what your life was like before you got to day one and you, you know, you tried to take your life and now you're sharing about what your life is like now. And it's beautiful. And um, so with that, you know, when you think about, you know, it's important, I know for me to remember my past, not to shut the door on it, um, but to move forward, you know, positively in my life and learning from my past, like, how would you describe if you could use a couple of words to describe your life before you found recovery, and now today, just so we can hear like the, the difference between the two? Sure. Um, So before I got sober, um, my focus was just so much on um, myself, I was just concerned about, you know, really like drinking because that's what made me feel like I could live with myself. Um, and you know, when was I going to be able to do that? What was I going to have to do to make that happen? Um, and it just ate up so much of my focus and my energy and, um, you know, and with relationships too, I, Um, I was just so selfish and I think I was just, again, very focused on what I was getting out of the situation or how things were affecting me. Um, and as I got sober and started to get really into my program of recovery, I started focusing more on, um, I, you know, obviously it took like a deep dive into looking at the kind of person I had been and I, didn't even realize um, how selfish I was until I took a serious and honest look at it. Um, And it 
was not fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was kind of a painful process, but it really was what I needed to realize that that's not the kind of person that I wanted to be in my life. And um, so that's kind of when I think that huge turning point happened for me was when I started looking at how I was treating other people and what my attitudes toward other people were and, um, you know, actively making an effort every day to, to be a better person and to ask for help in doing that where I could, you know, and, um, and it's, as time went on, it's just come a lot more naturally to me. And um, I guess so today in comparison, I think a lot about the bigger picture and not so much just me anymore. Like when, if I feel like I've been wronged in some way, my focus isn't immediately that I've been wronged in some way. It's that something's going on here. You know, what, what could be going on? Maybe the other person is going through something that I don't know about, or, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm just able to really see a lot of things that I like, I felt like I had tunnel vision before, you know, and just none of those things even um, were in my line of vision at all. Whereas now I can really have that empathy towards other people. Oh, it's beautiful. And, and you sure do sound like a very peaceful person. (laughs) (laughs) Now I am. Yes. I try to be. (laughs) It is. Every time I talk to you, I'm always, I get off the phone. I'm like, Oh, I feel so relaxed. (laughs) (laughs) You do. It just, it just, it's palpable through the phone. Like, um, it's a beautiful thing. And that, that's the beauty of, of getting sober is that, you know, those of us that, that really want it, that work hard, that we're, we're willing to go to any length to get not just sober, like dry sober, but emotionally sober, mm-hmm. incredible changes occur in our lives that we never anticipated. And, um, I know I couldn't do it alone. You know, I, I tried to do it on for so many years. I was so stubborn. But when I finally reached out for help and let people help me and did what I was told and suggested, what it was suggested, then things started to turn around for me. And, you know, becoming a better mother, that's for me, you know, in speaking about the autism piece, I because I haven't, I haven't addressed it at all in, in any of the other interviews I've done, um, is that, you know, I, I know my, my children are a lot older than your son, Gabby, but I tell you, you know, in the decade that, you know, I've been, you know, raising autistic children and also recovering from alcoholism, so is that I continuously feel such gratitude that I got sober and that I stay sober because now it's, I, you know, I did it for me getting sober, but I'm really doing it for them. And I, I, I can be a be- such a better mother to them and know what they need, what their needs are and where to ask for help for them and teach them how to self-advocate and how to um, take care of themselves and, and not be so stuck in self-blame, you know, like, oh, it's my fault. Me, me, me. I was the one that didn't get autism, you know, and <clears throat> that was such wasted time, you know, that I was stuck in my head all the time, you know, full of self-pity with every drink I took, you know, and so now that's out of my life and I can be a better 
parent and, and I can be a better partner with my husband to parent our children the way we feel good about. And, and that's just such a blessing. And I guess that's, you know, together with you, Gabby, you know, you know, I know your, your son is much younger than my children, but, you know, for anyone out there with special needs children, um, who might be struggling with, with addiction of some kind, and they're really, they're and they're feeling really, really sad and depressed about the fact that they, you know, that maybe they don't know how to be a parent, um, and they don't know how to ask for help. You know, the first step is to get, ask for help for yourself. Um, I knew that that that's what helped me, you know, and then, then I knew how to be a better parent to my children after I started to really take care of my own, um, issues. So, so I'm, I'm really grateful that I I have you as a guest today to talk about something that, you know, we share that we have in common, two things in common. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, well, good. Um, well, before we, we close up, um, I don't know if there's anything else you'd like to share with the listeners about your experience, um, your life experience and what, what you know, you look into your future and what does that look like? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it's kind of what I would want to say is just, again, um, reaffirming what you said is just that it all started with just taking care of myself and doing what I needed to do to, to be okay. And just kind of really focusing deeply on that before I could even think about tackling any of the other like problems in my life. And as a result of me, you know, doing that, it seemed like every, all those other problems just slowly were getting better at the same time. And I wasn't really doing you know, a whole lot other than just really focusing on making sure that I was okay and that I was doing what I needed to do for my sobriety. And um, so, yeah, putting that, putting that oxygen mask on, you know, before I can do anything else really made a huge difference. And, um, and I guess as far as the, you know, where I'm going to be in a few years from now, I, honestly couldn't tell you. (laughs) I feel like where I am today, as opposed to where I was a year ago, I absolutely never could have envisioned for myself last year. You know, it's just been such an incredible experience. Um, My husband and I bought our first house in this last year. I definitely didn't expect that to happen. And that was just in the last year. So like, as far as in the years to come, I don't know. I think you know, when I really spend time focusing on what am I going to do today, that's going to mean something. Um, usually tomorrow ends up being a really beautiful day, but it's true. Oh, I love it. That that's a great way to end. And what the, the day at a time is just a, such a beautiful way of living life. And it, it sure does make it a lot easier because we can mm-hmm. just stay grounded in the moment that we're in and, um, and then that's where the peace and calm comes as well, because we're not regretting our past. We're not worrying about our future. We're just taking care of that moment that we're in right now. So I have certainly enjoyed talking to you today. And I, um, if anyone listening has any questions about this interview, please reach out. Um, you can con- connect with me through the Anchor podcast. There's a questions button. You can actually do an audio recording of a question, or you can 
um, email me at sobergratitudes at gmail.com or find, you know, connect with me on my website. And also make sure you visit Gabby's Instagram account where you'll be connected to her Etsy. Is it Etsy or Etsy? I never got it right. I think it's Etsy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I know I never get it right. But when you go recovering artfully on her Instagram account, you'll see her beautiful work. And she sent me a shirt. I can't wait to, um, it's in the wash and I can't wait to wear it. And, and, and you'll surely be inspired, um, by Gabby's, uh, great gift and creativity. So, and you're a beautiful person. You're, I'm just so glad I know you. You're just a, such a calm presence in this world. And, and that's what sobriety does for us. I think it's just, it creates more peace in this world. So yes, definitely. And thank you for having me on, Sarah. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you. Same. Well, I look forward to talking to you again and enjoy the rest of the weekend with your family. Yes, you too. Okay, Gabby. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to my conversation with a brave and amazing woman. Gabby's courage to find recovery inspired me beyond measure. For Gabby, getting sober gave her a better and more manageable life. It also meant finding peace in recovery as an autism mom. I can really identify with Gabby's story. For me, getting sober meant no more blaming myself for my children's challenges. In my experience, drinking alcohol was a coping mechanism for issues in my life. One of those issues was coping with my own insecurities and fears with being an autism mom. In recovery, I developed the tools that helped me parent with more confidence and selflessness. And I see the positive results in my children today. If you are a parent who is struggling, it is never too late to ask for help. If you have a child with autism and need help, call the American Autism Association at 877-654-GIVE. For help with addiction or mental health issues, call 800-662-HELP. Sober Gratitudes, a podcast dedicated to delivering messages of hope through true stories of recovery. A sober and happy life is possible if you truly want it.